everybody who listens to futureprimitive.org. Today I'm on the phone with Josie Raven Wing. She has made the study of multicultural healing systems and spiritual paths her life's work. An internationally known workshop presenter and author, The Book of Miracles, The Healing Work of Jao de Deus, The Return of Spirit, A Woman's Call to Spiritual Action, and A Season of Eagles are the books she wrote. Josie began working 40 years ago as a pioneer in dance therapy and later as a psychotherapist with an eclectic and holistic approach. She spearheaded the holistic healing movement in Seattle in the early 1970s and co-created the first master's level degree program in holistic healing in the U.S. at Antioch University in 1976. Josie actually travels a lot to Brazil and in 1998 she was the first non-Brazilian to visit the center of the very well known at this point healer John of God. Would you like to begin by talking about that a little bit Josie? Sure I'd love to. One of my favorite subjects. Good. Well I can't actually lay claim to being the very first foreigner to go visit John of God, but I was one of the first and became the first North American to start bringing people from outside of Brazil to experience this work. So, just to correct that, I don't want to lay claim to too much fame. Sure, sure. (laughs) I understand. But it was amazing because I really had not heard of him until 1998. Uh I had been as you mentioned, studying with many other healers and spiritual teachers from many, many different paths. And I was always looking for really good resources to learn from, to refer other people to, etc. Mm-hmm. So somebody gave me a brief article about John of God in 1998. Uh-huh. And I got pretty excited and thought even if a small fraction of what's being claimed about his work is true, I have to go find out for myself. Uh And so off I went to Brazil, and it was quite an adventure because at that time, the town where he worked, Abitiania, was not even on any maps, (laughs) and so I had a lot of faith that I would find it, and I knew it was near Brasilia. Yes. I finally found out that. And so I made my reservations, and two weeks later I was there, and I asked some people in Brasilia if they ever heard of this town, and finally found somebody who had. Uh Rented a car, and a couple hours later, there I was. And um, I spoke no Portuguese at that time, which was the language of Brazil. Yes. I was fairly fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so as I arrived, I arrived in this parking lot next to the Casa, as it's known for short, the Casa de Ignacio, which is John of God's healing center there. 
And there were thousands of Brazilians milling around, all pretty much all dressed in white. Thousands? Um, yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. At that time, it was predominantly Brazilians, and a lot of them were going there. And actually, 30 years ago, when he first started his center there, there were often more than that, where people would be in line for blocks and blocks down the road waiting to see him each day. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, oh, it, it really, it, it was, and it, and it still is. So I, I felt like my intuition and the healing entities, as they're called, who work through John of God, were guiding me in this whole process. I felt like they guided me to the article. They, I started feeling their energies before I even got to Brazil as soon as I made the decision to go. And then when I arrived in this parking lot, I was kind of intuitively led over to this man mm-hmm. who was sitting there who it turned out was Peruvian and he had been going to the Casa for a long time. And so, because I spoke Spanish, I could communicate with him, mm-hmm. and he ended up kind of taking me under his wing and translating for me there. Mm-hmm. So, there we stood in the parking lot amidst these thousands of Brazilians, and all of a sudden, it was almost a biblical kind of thing, where I was standing there, and the crowds parted, and I saw this man walking slowly, but intentionally towards me and he came right up to me mm-hmm. my hand he had very vivid blue eyes mm-hmm. looked me in the eye and started speaking to me in Portuguese which somehow I kind of understood at that moment what he was saying uh-huh. was welcoming me there mm-hmm. and then my Peruvian friend kind of nudged me and said that's on a god Uh (laughs) And so it was an amazing beginning to an amazing two weeks there because I felt like somehow John of God tuned into my presence there, came out and personally welcomed me, and so it began. Yes, yes. I, I haven't read your book about him, so... And I don't know much about him, so I'm very, very interested for myself and for our listeners. Um, So I can tell you a little bit about his background, if you'd like. Yes. And then maybe talk a little bit about what he actually does. That would be great. Okay. So in terms of his background, he was born somewhere around 1950 in rural Brazil, not very far from where he now works. Mm -hmm. And his family um, was very, very poor. Often they didn't have enough to eat. And John of God, he went to school as a young boy. He went through kindergarten and part of first grade, but he always had an extremely freedom-seeking, independent spirit, and he just could not tolerate being confined in school. So to this day, he has never even completed first grade of normal education. Okay. And so um, he basically, as quite a young boy, started, you know, trying to help his family by trying to find work and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to that and his whole, their whole lifestyle, 
Um, he was born Catholic, as are most Brazilians still. Uh, that's the dominant religion in Brazil. But um, he also, it turned out, was extremely psychic uh, from early on and actually made several predictions as a young boy warning the people of this village of things that were coming up and saved quite a few lives in doing so, apparently. And so then when he was somewhere around, I hear different stories, somewhere between 9 and 12 or so, um, one day he was off wandering around the countryside trying to find work to help his family have enough to eat. Uh And it was very hot, and he went down to a river to refresh himself and bathe. Mm -hmm. And when he was finished, he looked around, and this beautiful, beautiful woman appeared, kind of, and and just kind of luminous, and said to him, you need to go to such and such spiritist center, which was apparently a center nearby. She said, it is time for you to begin your mission. Mm. And the people there are waiting for you. Yes. And then she kind of disappeared. And John didn't really know what to make of it, and he wandered around some more. And then suddenly this uh, kind of luminous ball of light appeared in front of him, and from this ball of light came the same woman's voice saying the same thing. And this time he thought, well, maybe I better... I better do what she says. Something unusual is going on here. And later it turned out, I don't know how it was discovered who the woman was, but it said that she was the spirit of Santa Rita Chicasia, who is the patron saint of miracles of Brazil. Uh-huh. Can you say her can you say her name again? Santa Rita? Santa Rita, okay. Okay. St. Rita of Cassia. Okay, okay. She's important. Yeah. Yes. And so off he went and found this spiritist center, and he recalls walking up the stairs and knocking at the door, Uh and then nothing for what turned out to be several hours when he came back to consciousness and found himself surrounded by a group of people, all of whom seemed to be very emotionally moved. Some were weeping, and he said to them, oh, he said, don't worry about me. I haven't eaten very much for the last few days, and I I probably fainted from hunger. Mm -hmm. And so they shook their head, and they said, no, no, you don't understand. They said, you went into trance, and the spirit of King Solomon incorporated in you and spoke through you, announced who he was, and began healing us and performing miracles. Oh. Well, John really didn't know what to make of this. This was this young boy. He didn't know anything about going into trance and spirits speaking through you and just a young Catholic boy. But this one woman who claimed that he had 
him a very expensive watch and thanked him. And uh, then the director of the center said, well, why don't you come stay the night? You could have a good meal with us and get a good night's rest. And so that sounded really good to John of God. He wasn't known as John of God at that time. Uh His Brazilian name is Joao Pichetta da Faria, a family name. Uh And it was not until he began doing his work that Brazilians began calling Juan de Deus or John of God. So anyway, the young John um, stayed the night at the center, and his thought was, you know, I'll have a good meal, I'll get a good night's sleep, and then tomorrow I'll leave and see if I can sell this fancy watch and get some money to feed my family. Yes. So, <laughs> so he had a good night's sleep and a good meal and got up the next morning and was going to go leave, but the director nabbed him before he could get away okay. and said, ah, before you leave, why don't you come with me for a bit? And so he took John to the main hall of the center And there were hundreds of people, and the director said to everybody, "Um, we have here the young medium, John, who yesterday incorporated the spirit of King Solomon, Mm -hmm. and when King Solomon spoke through him at the end of the healing session, he told us to tell everybody in town that he was going to come through John of God again the next day, which is today, uh, and heal anybody who needed healing. And so, you know, John was listening to this, kind of baffled. And then the director said, we're going to begin now. So this time he began, uh, the director began saying the Lord's Prayer and the Hail Mary, which is really, I, I've visited many healing and spiritual centers in Brazil since that time. Yes. And they all start that way with those two prayers because no matter what the path, because um, that is, you know, very much in the Catholic tradition and so it's, and it's known by everybody and they feel it's a way to create sacred space and evoke the highest energies. So as John was listening to the prayer being said, this time he was aware of beginning to feel faint again, but this time he actually was conscious of his um, spirit or awareness beginning to float up and out of his body and somehow ending up in this realm of what he described as beautiful golden light. And he was kind of left to rest there. He said it's like sleeping in this really warm, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And then apparently five or six hours later, he was pulled back into his body again and opened his eyes. And this time, hundreds of people were thanking him and saying more miracles had happened and King Solomon had come through him again and much healing had taken place. Well, because he was aware this time of floating out of his body and going elsewhere. He began to believe them. And so really what had happened to him without any training is he went through a spontaneous initiation and became a medium, mm-hmm. a trans-medium of healing. Right. Corporation. 
an amount of time kind of take over the speaking um, functions of, of the body. So fortunately, he was able to spend several months at the Spiritist Center because Spiritism is uh, one of Brazil's predominant metaphysical paths that has a great deal to do with mediumship and what happens when spirits cross over from the human realm to the other realms and all different kinds of um, aspects of mediumship and different philosophies about past lives and, and reincarnation and all of that. So it really was a necessary orientation for John of God to understand what had happened to him and what was happening to him so it wouldn't be, you know, disconcerting or frightening. Yes, yes. So then from that point on, for the next 25 years, he truly did uh, begin his mission. He would travel all over Brazil, going from town to town. He would offer himself as a medium of healing to the people of the town, and word would get out, and lots of people would go to see him, and then the local priests would start finding out about it, and they would accuse him of practicing witchcraft, uh -huh. and then the local doctors would accuse him of practicing medicine without a license, and then they would get the police all riled up, and the police would come and arrest him and or beat him up, and then he would have to get out of there. I mean, it was just incredibly difficult and challenging. Same old story, huh? Yeah. <laughs> really. Happens and, every time. And, of course, it was, you know, these people who gave him a bad time, they felt threatened um, because of the way they had been trained and taught and um, reacted like many people do when confronted with something that feels or seems to be a threat to our, our status or, or mm -hmm. even our belief systems, our paradigms. Because That's right. we human beings are very much creatures of habit. That's unless right. Unless we make a conscious effort not to be. So when something of the unknown comes along, um, often rather than embrace it, we go into fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what John of God encountered. So, um, but he persevered nonetheless, and more and more uh, spirits or entities began coming through him. And finally, for a little while, he was given uh, some shelter by the military because he encountered people from all walks of life in his healing work, including some very high-ranking government and military people that he healed or helped. Wow. So, yeah, and so for a while, um, he stayed with the military and was a tailor for them. So their uniforms and did some healing work um, under their shelter. And then one day he got a message from kind of a mentor of his, uh, very... I, I would say Brazil's most famous medium of channeled information. Uh, his name is uh, Francisco Xavier or Chico Xavier. 
And mm-hmm. he channeled about 600 books in his lifetime. He died just a few years ago. And during one of his channelings, apparently, he received a message from the Spirit for John of God. And, and the message was that John of God was to now establish a permanent healing site in the town of Abitiania, Brazil, mm-hmm. and that he was to stop spending all his time wandering around, have a place where people could come to him, that they, where they knew to see all the time. So that's what he did. So that was about 30 years ago. And he has worked there ever since. And like I said, you know, when I got there, there were thousands of people every day. Um, Then Brazil's economy worsened. It was harder for Brazilians to travel. So the numbers went down a little bit. Um, I I just want to interrupt you a moment. I want to ask you... um, what is it, um, you are a woman that studied many healing arts and who um, is very sensitive to healing modalities. What is it about him that uh, really penetrated you and fascinated you? Well, one of the things that fascinated me started actually before I went there, after I decided to go there, because I know a lot of people that listen to you probably have practiced or tried to practice some form of meditation. Yes. And I had also done that, and it wasn't always easy to get to that place of silence and bliss. Mm-hmm. But when I made the decision to go to see John of God for the first time, something started happening to me where I would just start being drawn inward into this very, very deep place without any effort. Uh And it was almost like there was this kind of pulsing vibration that I was experiencing. Uh And um, when I actually got to the casa the first time and Mm -hmm. went into the main hall and sat down, to wait for the first session to begin, I started feeling that same energy, but even more strongly, and I went, aha, this is where this was coming from. So you you had a connection to the silence. It, yeah, it's not even a silence. It, it was much more dynamic than that. Uh-huh. It was like... Um, a presence, a pulsation, a dynamic, silent energy that just was wonderful and kind of trance-like. So that was very powerful and intriguing, especially because I started feeling it before I got there. Um, And I later realized that the entities that work through John of God very often tune into people when they make a conscious decision to make a journey there and actually start working spiritually on the person before they physically get there. So that was quite intriguing. And then um, I would say, well, just the energy field there is so powerful. I mean, I've seen people pass out just from stepping into it. They just immediately go in 
into a high vibration that they just can't consciously maintain, and so they sort of swoon, go into bliss. And then they come back, and they're fine. Uh, let me ask you a very direct question. Yes. How is this different from, um, let's say, the Christian revivals um, that are held in this country? Well, nobody's preaching to anybody. Aha. Uh -huh. Excellent. Um, anybody of any faith is welcome. There's no effort to convert anybody to anything, although people are given an opportunity some extent to learn a little bit of, about mediumship and spiritism if they want to, but it's not a spiritual center. It's really not of any faith or dogma. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, it's different. And also, the primary focus of the work there is healing and spiritual development and most of all helping people connect with the energy of love and when you asked before what struck me as different and or unusual there that really for me is the core of it because i you know i've gone to many healers spiritual teachers shamans etc work yes. with them yes yes Yes. And there are a lot of amazing systems to learn, Right. a lot of things to explore, and I encourage people to do that. But for me, this, the CASA and the work there and mm -hmm. the vibration there gets mm -hmm. right to, for me, what I now feel is the essence of all healing, which is love. It's the highest vibration as far as I'm concerned. And when we're connected to unconditional love, we are healthy and we are happy. Mm -hmm. And when we disconnect from it, that's when all of our various woes begin to be experienced, whether it's emotional problems or mental problems or health, physical health issues or spiritual problems. But I think it all stems from that same difficulty of suffering, the suffering that comes from being disconnected to unconditional love. Yes, yes. Can, can you describe um, this love, this, this, this understanding of love, this feeling of love has kept you going back again and again and taking people to mm -hmm. the casa? Can you describe what it has done in your personal life and work? How, how does it live with you? How do you live with it? Well, like I was describing earlier, like many people, I was at various times extremely disconnected from that energy of love in my lifetime. Okay. And, and went through periods of depression and, um, you know, just unhappiness, wondering, you know, looking around the world, wondering, is 
as father is. And I understand. That's really actually what catapults me onto my spiritual path and search, mm-hmm. looking for those answers. Yes. And of course, you know, I experience human love um, off and on throughout my life, both my love for others and theirs for me. Sure. But um, often that love was conditional. Yes. I mean, people can evoke quite easily evoke feelings of love for others when others are acting the way we want them to. (laughs) Exactly. But when they're not, then our love often tends to withdraw some. There's withholding, yes. Yeah. And, And we often treat ourselves the same way. You know, if we've been raised according to our parents or our society or our teachers or peers or whatever, that to be a good person, we have to act in such and such a way. Well, when we can manage to fit ourselves into that format, then, you know, we kind of feel good about ourselves. But if our spirit is trying to take us in some other direction, that those particular scriptures aren't accepting of, then we start judging ourselves even when we feel a strong passion or need to do something else. Absolutely. So it can be very challenging for those of us who are pioneers in different areas to remain true to our inner guidance when we may be getting a lot of heckling. And I mean, John of God is an excellent example of that. Okay. So in terms of Describing the love that I came in contact so powerfully uh, there at the CASA for the first time, um, I'll tell you how I experienced it really strongly, my first experience there. I had what was called a spiritual surgery. And um, basically, it doesn't look like anything's happening. You sit in a room with the other people who were told by John of God or the entity that spoke through him to have a surgery on a particular session. And you concentrate on what you need, and and you sit there for anywhere from a few minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. And then John of God comes into the room and says, you've all been healed by God's love. You can go now. Mm -hmm. So nobody touches you. Nobody's physical is doing anything to you. But... Teams of entities who are spirits of departed doctors and nurses and other healers of some saints who um, are specializing in whatever you yourself need and the other people in there come into the room and work on everybody, however they do that, and that's your surgery. Uh-huh. So as I sat there, and I've had a number of these surgeries since, But what happened to me is I sat there and wondered what on earth I was going to feel. Yes. And suddenly I felt this warmth and this heat. It was like a flame almost Mm -hmm. passed through my body. Mm -hmm. And this heat was the most exquisite energy of love. And it just penetrated every aspect of my being. Yes. 
especially my heart center, my emotional body, yes. to the point where I just began weeping. Yes. I had never felt such pure, unconditional love before. And so I basically cried through mm -hmm. my surgery, which is not all that unusual. Over the last almost 11 years, I've seen that happen to a lot of people at the CASA. Mm -hmm. um, and I often work in the surgery room as a volunteer there now, yes. and I see a lot of that going on there. Yes. So um, I would say that that one aspect of this vibration of love is just being, feeling like I'm being held in this warm presence that has no judgment, no condition, that just loves me no matter what I do, no matter what I've done, no matter how I've judged myself. And what I found is that the more I have hung out in that energy of love, the more a lot of my own judgments toward myself have been melting away. I see. And the more judgments I have about other people have melted away because generally if we judge ourselves we tend to be that done to other people too and so yes. it gets passed on family to family and on and Absolutely. on. Absolutely. So there's no room for self-hatred in this kind of love. Those, the two cannot mutually coexist. Okay. And, and I've also, you know, it seems like along with the love Um, that spirit of compassion for humanity has grown um, inside of me. And many people who come with me to the CASA say that they feel that as well. I mean, you go there and, and you see people in all different conditions with so many different problems there and people bringing little children and, you know, just the masses of humanity reflected there. And you just start feeling compassion for all these people and, and love for them. And actually part of the healing, I think, is you, you, you sit there, you sit in the healing rooms, you focus on what you need, and then you end up praying for all the other people who are also there. And so the heart just opens more and more. And the more that you pray for others, the more you feel love for them. And desire for their, you know, best possible well-being. And then, because you're feeling so much love for others, you're, you are feeling more love for yourself because you see you're a loving person, and it just starts to snowball. Now, it doesn't mean for me that I am always in that place. I'm not. Okay. I go in and out like everybody else, but because... I'm in it more and more, it becomes more and more painful when I'm not, the contrast. Exactly. And so that kind of motivates me to get back into that vibration a lot faster than I used to. That's a great description. Yeah. So you write books. I do. Would you like to talk a little bit about your books? Sure. Um, well, 
obviously the Book of Miracles, the healing work of Jean Judeos, is about John of God. Yes. And um, the first time I went there, actually, on my last day, I went by him to say thank you for all the amazing experiences I'd had. I mean, I'd seen miracles and all kinds of things. And he went suddenly into, he said some things to me, and then he went into a deeper trance, came back and said, my daughter, I've seen a vision of your mission, and it's begin bringing people from outside of Brazil who need healing. So that's what really started my work. And so over the first first time I went there, I actually knew I wanted to write a book Mm -hmm. about this, but I, I also knew I needed to have more experience there and talk to other people and see their experiences. So then after a few years, I did write the book, and it's filled with a lot of information about the different processes of the CASA, different experiences I and others had, interviews, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end, a whole section about healing more more generally um, for body, mind, spirit, et cetera. Mm-hmm. For people who will never go there so that they can deepen their healing process and or for people who do go there because even as wonderful as it is there, we have to our part of our work as well. Yes. So that's that book. Then um, the book, A Season of Eagles, is about um, almost five-year period that I spent living in Arizona among the Navajo Indians and attending many ceremonies with them, working with some of their healers, and working with a non-Navajo shaman who I had met prior to moving there. And it's an amazing story. If any of your listeners are familiar with the Carlos Castaneda book, yes, I'm sure. um, It's kind of like a female version, and um, very powerful experiences through ceremony, through my work, through with the spiritual energies of nature. It's It's a pretty amazing book, and. Um, during that time period, I actually did meet Carlos Castaneda several times. Uh-huh. I described those experiences as well. And then my other book, The Return of Spirit, A Woman's Call to Spiritual Action, is more of um, an information and process book about different methods for personal spiritual development and healing. So there are a number of chapters that help people empower themselves, and in each chapter there's both information and then processes that people can do to integrate the information into actual practice. And a lot of that draws uh, heavily on my Native American shamanic work, but also from some Eastern traditions and from just my own insights Excellent. And where can people uh, order these books? Well, they can order them through Amazon.com, or they can go to my website, and there's another website they'll see on the books page where they can um, order the Book of Miracles directly from the publisher, or they can contact me directly and order them from me. So my website is www.healingjourneys, E-Y-S, 
www.healingjourneys.net of healingjourneys.net and my email address if people want to contact me directly is the letter J for Josie and then the word Ravenwing so that's jravenwing at aol.com and I'm happy to send people information on my work, my trips to Brazil, etc. And I have a Facebook page now and a Son of God Spiritual Healing Group on Facebook. So there are a lot of ways that people can get information about me, about my books, etc. And you are returning to Brazil uh, in a short while. Day after tomorrow. Oh, excellent. And I have two groups coming, uh, so I'll be there for a month, two weeks at a time for each group. And basically, I go there um, about every other month, and I'm a guide for one or two groups each time. And I speak Portuguese, so I can translate for my groups now. And uh, it's just wonderful. It's such an honor and ever-unfolding ever mystery to take people there, to go there myself, to just see how people's lives are transformed by their contact with these energies. And like you and I were talking about earlier, um, it's wonderful to do what we love and to create what we love. And I've almost always done that. I mean, I created my own degree program in dance therapy and, and created my own work really in dance therapy because at that time there was hardly anybody doing it, so I had a lot of leeway. Yes, <laughs> and yes. then I created my own, um, at least in part, my own master's degree pro program within the psych department at Antioch. I created the degree program in holistic health there. I created my own workshops, um, you know, and, and on and on. And there were times when I also had to do, needed to do other kinds of work to take care of the bills. But yes, of now course. I really just do what I love doing, and uh, it brings in uh, what I need for my material needs, and I'm just really grateful at all the opportunities that have unfolded for me and that I've kind of helped co-create with, I'm sure, a lot of help from all my friends in the spirit realm. And some my human friends as well. Yes, yes. Many people have been of great support in my life. Well, I've read that you focus on the solution rather than the problem. Yeah. So as we bring this conversation around, um, I'm um, asking you to say some words about solution to people who are suffering, either psychically or physically or both. got a degree in psychology, but I have found that when we focus on our problems overly much and trying to go back all the time to the problems of our past, um, what we do is kind of amplify the problem energy because another thing that I say a lot is that energy follows our attention. 
Yes. So what, wherever we focus, we amplify what we're focusing on. Energy goes there and we feed it. Mm-hmm. And I realize it's a challenge when we're suffering, um, especially if we have physical pain or emotional pain, mm-hmm. to be able to take our attention off of it. Mm-hmm. But really, that's what we need to do because... If we can, even for brief periods of time, take our attention off what is painful and focus it on something that we love, that brings us pleasure, even if we make up some little guided visualization or something and go off to a tropical island for a minute in our imagination. Yes. Or, or like that one uh, doctor... Uh, it was Dr. Pauling. Mm-hmm. Linus Pauling. That's not... Well, um, anyway, whoever he was, there was there was a doctor who he had a very... what was called a terminal illness. Uh-huh. And he cured himself... By laughing. By watching comedies. Laughing, yes. I forget by his laughing. name right now. Yes, yeah. of course. And... So laughter is really great medicine, loving is great medicine, doing anything that feels good and that takes our attention from something painful and places it onto something pleasurable or something that gives us hope or some kind of relief, all of that is a movement towards the solution. What about mischief, Josie? Is mischief healing? Well, it could be a really good thing. (laughs) 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 As long as it's it's mischief where there's going to be no suffering, any consequences on anybody's part. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, my dear, is there anything you'd like to add to our conversation? Although 
I've taken some skeptics there, and they get affected also. <laughs> but I would just say to people, follow your heart. Learn to listen more and more to your intuition than what other people say. Be open to new things if you possibly can create a little space for that. And just practice loving as much as you can. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Josie Raven Wing. I appreciate it. You're most welcome. Okay. Thank you for inviting me to your wonderful show. Good. Good. And and it's been a pleasure to get to know you some through the interview. Thank you. Or talk a little bit ahead of time. Okay.